Hearts building at Utah Valley University. Snipers don't come for us. I don't know, man. Every time I reveal my location, I think that there's going to be, like, snipers or something. Or, like, some Tom Clancy specialist unit sent to, to come get me, come find me. There's this horrible uh, comic. And I want to say it's produced by, like, Cyanide and Happiness or something. Oh, sure. But uh, The worst comics. Uh, but uh, it shows this uh, little boy who's clearly in a hospital. Oh, and no. This is already starting so well. And he's visited by the Wish Foundation. And... Uh, they're like, hey, what would you like for your, you know, your wish day? And he's like, I want to be Batman. And uh, the next shot is just the Wish Foundation volunteer uh, sitting up in a, in like a crow's nest with a sniper rifle, uh, looking down at his parents. No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad, but it always makes me chuckle because like, uh, what a what an interesting understanding of what it means to be Batman. True. Um, we, we discussed this. We did receive some contention on this point, but I hold by the fact that Batman is the only superhero who is predicated on rich white money. Yep. Um, interesting backstory there. With that said, uh, what's this show? The Batman Experience. The, the Batman Experience. Like, is that EX or just X? If my pronunciation didn't tip you off, there's no hope for you. <laughs> Um, you, you keep uh, volleying these jokes to me, and I just keep going, oh, that's a ball. Yeah, yeah. And just letting it go instead of it's bumping it. It's supposed to be bump, set, spike. Yeah, you so, keep bumping them, and I go, oh, that's pretty cool. You're supposed to set so that I can then spike. Uh, but one day you'll be, like, not picking daisies over there in the but, back of the volleyball. But, but like, if, if, you're, if you're spike, then that makes me ducky. True. Welcome to Initiative Roll. A Dungeon Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons. Oh, this feels gross. <laughs> this feels gross. But it's true. He's right. This is Initiative Roll. A Dungeon Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons. I'm your host, Logan Johnson. And I'm your Dungeon Master, Nathaniel Johnson. I've gotten to the point where saying that tagline feels like a song. Yeah. Like, it, I feel like I'm singing. It feels like a corporate jingle to me. Yeah. Like, and I'm welcome to... It's Initiative Welcome Roll. to Initiative Roll. A Dungeon Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons. Would you like fries with that? Hey, can... can like here in the studio, our live audience is looking at us quizzically because they're wondering if he knows what a corporate jingle is. Because <laughs> it is definitely yeah, no, not. A, a corporate yeah, jingle Yeah, a corporate is. jingle, like when you want some fries and you go to McDonald's. Yeah, and, and the uh, McDonald's employee is just like, welcome to McDonald's, I'm loving it, what can I get for you? <laughs> that has not been a thing since the 90s. I know, but I I'm still stuck it on back. it. I want to bring it back. It was their best tagline. I mean, no, that is their tagline still. But what I mean is... Like no restaurant has ever had their employees say the tagline oh, okay. as part of its sales pitch since the 2000s, or since like 1990-something. Yeah. But anyway, that's a, that's a little bit of a sidetrack, man. We're starting off strong. We are. We actually have something really different. This was a request from one of our listeners for a theme that we do. Yeah. We're going to be talking uh, just for a little bit on each of the different character classes. And the idea with this is that... We give you a brief look at what each of the classes are and why you should pick one class over another based on, you know, what you're into. Um, now, we could do this one of two ways. We could either do this the way that uh, they're ordered in the book, so from barbarian to wizard, or we could do them in the way that I kind of look at it and view it, and when I'm introducing to people to D&D and asking them what kind of character they want to play, how I ask them what class they want to play. Okay, let's do that. I'm interested in, in this theme of 
Which is more important to you? Friends, success, or money? Right. And then it influences your stats when all is said and done? Yeah, no, and that's kind of how I do it. So the first question I ask people is I say, okay, do you want to use more magic or do you want to use more, like, weaponry, like axes and swords and bows? Sure. That's the first question I ask. And as far as I'm concerned, once they ask that, and once they answer that, if they say magic, there's six classes that are heavy on magic. And once they say weapons, there's six classes that are heavy on weapons. Right. So it's divided right in half. I mean, I do not know where you're dividing that. Well, let's uh, let's walk down uh, one of the tree lanes real quick. Uh, So which would you rather have, magic or... or weaponry? Let's say magic. Okay. And would you rather have, like, your standard magics... Or your weird magics? Uh, I don't know exactly what you mean. I'm going to say weird. Okay, so your weird magics, you've got three options here. You can be either a bard. Okay. A druid. Okay. Or... I just blanked on it. It's uh, Or a cleric. Oh, yeah, those religious guys. I've always thought they're a little weird. Well, they're unusual as compared to the wizard, warlock, and sorcerer. So you're asking about arcane versus regular. Right. Or versus, like, other types of magic. Right, which aren't nearly as easily codified. Sure. So, in the weird magics, you've got your bard, your cleric, and your druid. The ones that you're like, huh, that, that's a little different. And there's right. not any correlation, necessarily. Whereas your standards, it's like, no, this is your wizard or your sorcerer. This is what you're typically thinking of when you're thinking fantasy. Right. And even okay. though Warlock is a little different, it uses a lot of the same spells. Sure, so let's go ahead. I, I think it's going to be really easy to get bogged down in statistics here, and I do not want to do that. I do not want to do that either. So let's talk a little bit about some of those weird magics first, and let's go from there. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at the cleric. Um, what inspires a person to be a cleric? So the way that I kind of pitch cleric to people is I say, okay, so they are religious, and they tend to have healing spells and spells that help the party. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then is it like, okay, is that is that your shtick? Is that what you want to do? And if they say, uh, yeah, that sounds right, then we can go with that. And if they seem hesitant, um, then we move on from there. Now, the cool thing about a cleric is there are a lot of sub-options for cleric. There are a lot of what are called domains. So you've got like the war domain or the life domain, and you really get to specialize as to what your cleric does for the party. Mm-hmm. To run through those quickly, yeah, uh, knowledge, life, light, nature, tempest, trickery, and war are your basic options. Right. Uh, which is really cool because it gives you a lot of wiggle room as to what kind of cleric you want to be. Uh, I think a lot of people who aren't religious in real life would probably be turned off initially to the cleric option because when they hear cleric, they think of somebody who wants to take a moment to teach you about our Lord and Savior, right? Right. And that is not inherently what's being set up here in Dungeons & Dragons. Right. You could worship, essentially, the Greek pantheon. Technically, that's even in the player's handbook, is the Greek pantheon in the True. back. So is um, the Norse. So is the Norse and the Egyptian and a lot of other real-world pantheons. Um, or it could be a pantheon of similar-ish right. deities. Yeah, so I have a standard, uh, and you might know this, Nathaniel, I have a standard pantheon of eight gods that I use copy-paste in every campaign setting. I wasn't actively aware of that, but I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, yeah, so uh, it's interesting. So, I mean, speaking to dungeon masters here as opposed to players, you have the opportunity to create gods if you want. Right. Um, And you should... The way I've created my gods is that people who follow each god have a different 
ideal that they aspire to and a different archetype that those people will follow into as zealous pursuers of that religion. So, for example, let's take... Mm, man. Uh, okay, let's talk about Alton. Okay. The god of men. Okay. I really like that name. Um, yeah, so he is explicitly the god of industry. Oh, interesting. So in, in the campaign setting that I normally play with, play in, uh, which I won't go into, but it, there's a world for this. Um, but in, in the world upon which Alton and these other gods live, Alton is considered the Zeus figure. He's the okay. king of the gods. Um, and he is the god who walked among the, the men and instructed them in ways of industry and oh, design and architecture and those sorts of things and help them build civilization. Interesting. Um, so he very took a very forceful role in, according to the mythos, in, in coming. He's also the the god who fought the darkness. Okay. Back. So the other gods played a less active role in that. They assisted him in sealing away the darkness, but less of an active role in fighting it. And hmm. so in a lot of cases, he's the god that's most often and most directly worshipped. Think of him like Christianity in America. Okay, right? sure. Um, that's like his thing. Now, because he is a god of industry, it's not hard to see what clerics of his might value. Interesting. Right? So even though you could, I think it's sometimes really easy to start wor- worrying about the stories behind each individual god, I like to look at the values. Yeah, right? that's super important to, to making them. Yeah, to give you another idea, um, I'll throw out one of the goddesses in the pantheon. Her name is Aaliyah. She is the survivor. So she's actually a young girl. There's a reason for that in the mythos. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but she's 10 or 11, and she is worshipped primarily in the north, where survival is more valued. Right. right? Um, she's accompanied by a white wolf. Hmm. So the white wolf is considered an omen, that kind of thing. Sometimes, like I said, it's really easy to get hung up in the stories. When you're designing gods, think more about imagery. Right. Right. Think more about symbols, think more about signs, think more about ideals. Right, because going back to your Christianity analogy, many people in the U.S. profess Christianity and believe Christianity, but they can't necessarily tell you a ton about their religious beliefs, but they have iconography of Jesus on a cross, for example, or of uh, Catholic cathedrals. And or these things, the alpha symbol fish, right? right. Used to be a symbol for or a, a symbol of praying hands, things like that. Mm-hmm. These mean things to people more so in a lot of cases than what's actually written down in the scripture of the religion. Right. But if I ask you, oh, what kind of things did Jesus preach? You'd probably say something like love or forgiveness. Right. And like kindness and charity. Those are the kinds of things that you would. Remember, despite the fact that that is not even close to the full breadth of Christianity. Right. It, it's just study. a drop in the bucket of right. what's there. But that's kind of the point. You can you can have this limited amount of your gods in D&D to talk about and discuss. Um, by the way, side note, for anybody out there who is religious, uh, either Christian or not, please don't feel like we are, you know, trying to either praise or put down any religion in any way in this. We're just using an example yeah, I mean, we're both Christian. We are. Which is why we you'll hear us use Christianity. Uh, that's largely out of a desire to not, like, misrepresent or offend other faiths. Right. Um, I'm, not, I'm not Muslim or Islamic. I'm actually not sure what most people of that faith prefer to go by. And I'm not going to pretend I know all the religious traditions there. Or totally. even most of them. Totally. Like, 
my concern is if I talk about Judaism, I would talk largely about my interpretation of Judaism based on the Old Testament, and that would be wrong. Like, right. I would miss things. So, right. Yeah, it's, it's not, this is not us trying to, to preach, though I've done that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so keep that in mind. Uh, again, being a cleric in Dungeons & Dragons is less about actual religion and much more about symbols and ideals. Right. Um, if you can nail those down, especially if you can tie each one to one of those cleric domains, mm-hmm. um, that's where you're going to have... The other thing that I think is really interesting, um, and we're spending a lot of time on clerics, but I think that's okay because they're an underused class in my opinion. Um, Again, I think a lot of people get turned off. Yep. Another thing, you don't actually have to have gods behind these domains. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, for instance, uh, there are Eastern religions in the real world that don't necessarily have gods attached to sure. the beliefs. And D&D says, yeah, like, for example, uh, the concept of the Tao exists in Eastern religions, which is just kind of like a force in the universe, um, from what I understand. Sure. Um, and they said you can have something like that, not a god as we think of them here in the West. Right. Or to think about it in a way that might be familiar to Western audiences, the Jedi religion follows the force. Right, exactly. Right? That's... I mean, no, that's a great way to put it. That's what they do. So Star Wars, there for yeah. those few of you who missed if, that. If, if you don't know what a Jedi is and you're listening to this cast, we got time. <laughs> Just go, go, go watch it. all of Star Wars. Uh, anyway, so that's that's the encouragement is you want your clerics to embody ideals, mm-hmm. and as a result, they should become a little preachy, <laughs> potentially. Yeah. Um, also, the the D and D rules kind of make it clear that. Uh, Clerics are not evidence of the existence of these gods that they believe in. Totally. Or of approval of the gods that they believe in. Uh, so just kind of some interesting stuff. A cleric can be doing things that are dispro- displeasing to their deity or not even actually have a deity, but still have the magic. So things to just kind of think about. Yeah. Um, to tie it back uh, one last time to the mythos that I use, um, Alton, the god of men is well the way that gods work in my worlds are very is very interesting but alton is not particularly in approval of many of the things that have happened as a result of what he did right right, of his direct actions so that's that's important to bear in mind because they're in the universe i'll often use him as a physical character to interact with players or to interact with other uh, characters in a way that conveys that disapproval right? right so that's something important to keep in mind you do not have to keep it tied uh, let's. With that said, let's move on to uh, another another character. Yeah, class. let's hit Bard and Druid. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on either of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with with Bard. Yeah, we won't spend a ton of time on the Bard. Uh, the Bard is basically the class of music and trickery. Yep. If if you are if you as a player are interested in using your wit and your charm to get things done and have a little magic to help you along your way and be an entertainer and a performer, this is the class for you. As a DM, be careful about your bard players. Um, huh? What? Sorry, what was that? Be careful about your bard players. No. <laughs> and what I mean by that is make sure that they have these opportunities to use their wit and their charm. Also, Loki, be careful of your bards. They they will manipulate you. They will take Super the, bad. Like, here's the thing about Bard. Uh, I don't want to put myself as a Bard player on a pedestal here. Bard is a high-tier character class. Yes, this is generally speaking not something that a brand new player is going to feel comfortable playing. Correct. And the reason for that is because Bards are, frankly, bad in combat. 
They're bad in combat, really great in the role-playing side of things. Right. And if if you as a player aren't comfortable, or you as a DM are trying to help somebody pick a class, Bard is is not usually a great choice for somebody who's never played the game. There are exceptions to every rule, um, but like we said, it is you have to be basically somebody who's willing to be loud and extroverted um, when playing, generally speaking. Exceptions yeah. to every rule. The the ideal bard is is comic relief for the party, mm-hmm. and is somebody who is willing to take a step back in combat scenarios. Yep. Right. Um, that I maybe I'm projecting my bard onto maybe, that. Maybe, but I don't think you are. But I think that, or maybe not inherently comic relief, but is the negotiator. He's the the social manipulator. He's the impersonator. Right. Um, that's his. That's his game. Uh, important to note: there are bard colleges, just like there are cleric domains, mm-hmm. and each of these gives you various customization options. Some of which allow the bard to do more damage. That's incredibly important to know with regards to um, maybe a, a regrettable bard, somebody who's not thrilled with their choice as a bard at the beginning of the game. It's important to know that there are paths bards can take that will make them more effective in combat and pull them a little bit out of that situation. They don't inherently have to multi-class. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to Druid. Uh, Druid is uh, kind of a fun class. I actually oh, I used to despise Druid in 3.5 because I felt like they were complicated, and I really like what they've done with them in 5th edition. They've streamlined them excellently. So as somebody who largely played Druid in 3.5 and largely now Bard in 5th, um, I can say they improved both of those classes quite a bit. Um, at least made them more playable. Yeah. So the problem with druids in 3.5 is that they used domains. Well, they used every mechanic in the game. Correct. Every they, single... They took something for every, from every class. Yeah. Um, so in 3.5, they could shapeshift, they could cast magic, they had domains, they had an animal companion, they had combat, they had survival skills, they had everything but we're never really amazing at any of those things. Right. And so what they've done now is you still technically have, like, the melee and ranged combat, and you do still have some survival skills, but there's no animal companion, um, and there is magic, and there's shapeshifting. So, but shapeshifting is tied to which circle you pick. Right. Technically, both groups can do it, but... Either you pursue really heavily the magic side of being a druid, or you pursue really heavily the shape-shifting side of being a druid. Right. Those are the two circles. Yeah, and there's some really cool things in there with uh, various landscapes that druids can become familiar with and have various spells based upon. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get super deep into that. But so if this is somebody, though, who they want to play somebody who's attached to the land and can shapeshift, which is a cool ability, um, druid is for them. Yeah, it's very, very fun. I've seen a lot of people have a great time playing druid. Yeah. Should we move on to the uh, regular magic so I call them? Classes, to the arcane yeah. classes. So you've got sorcerer, warlock, and wizard. I think that it would actually be most helpful just to explain the differences between them than explain each class individually. Totally. Because these three classes can very easily be confused for each other. So all three of these classes have their root in arcane spellcasting. In fact, the spell lists are almost identical almost. for each of these classes. There is some variation, but yeah. But yeah, so the where you're going to have... The biggest differences in these classes are in the ways that they cast their spells. Yep. So let's go ahead. Will you talk about wizard? Yep. And then I'll explain the difference of, and then explain the difference of sorcerer, and then I'll talk about warlock. Sure. Uh, so wizard is what I consider the basic uh, spellcasting class. 
And the way wizard works is they have a spell book, they do a lot of book learning, um, and they prepare a certain amount of spells each day, and they just flip through their book and go, okay, I'm going to take these five of these 30 spells I have, and these are what I'm going to prepare, and then they cast them, and they can learn at all the spells that a wizard could possibly learn, but they have a limited selection of what they can do with them. Uh, this is a spell that is both, this is a class that is both good for new players and not great. We talked about this on a previous episode, but I think it's worth revisiting. Um, a new player, it's cool because they're not limited in what spells they get, but it can be overwhelming because there is so much there to go over as right. compared with the sorcerer, who the sorcerer has a super limited number of spells that they can learn, but they, they're they really good with those spells is the idea. Right. So... A sorcerer's power is innate. They are either descended from a dragon, or they are, de- or they just spontaneously have magic, um, and they get special abilities with each of those. Whereas a wizard is like, no, I am a wizard, and I have picked, similar to a cleric, one of these eight traditions to follow, mm-hmm. um, such as necromancy or evocation. Right. Um, whereas a sorcerer is like, well, I've got like half a dozen spells, but I'm really good with those half a dozen spells. Right. The primary difference from a role-playing perspective is that a wizard is trained and a sorcerer is natural. Right. Um, And so both of these classes have a long tradition in Dungeons & Dragons. Mm -hmm. Um, And picking one for a new player, honestly, it can go either way. Yep. Um, The important thing, I think, to remember, and and with all of the class specializations that we talked about, it's really easy to just throw rules and rules and rules at a player. Yep. Much easier to just say, like, hey, which of these seven domains sounds cool? Right. Does it sound cool to be a necromancer? Does it sound cool to be an illusionist? Right. But, and that's going to be different for everybody. Right. Um, so those are those are important things to remember. I'm going to talk briefly about warlocks. Right. Um, I want to throw this in there. I feel oh, like warlocks are one of the only classes that basically has inherent role-playing story built into the class itself. Man, warlocks are so cool. So tell us about Warlocks. So Warlock is a 5th edition class, and I imagine... I think it might have been 4th as well. Well, okay, but it's good. It is good. 4th edition is largely disregarded. I mean, I don't want to be savage about it, but it was short-lived. Yes, it was. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, largely I think this class has its its big moment in 5th edition, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't know where the exact genesis is. It wasn't 3rd, though. No, it was not. Um, And so... Hmm. What's interesting about the Warlock is that they get their magic, rather than being born with it or learning it, they get their magic by striking a deal right? with an otherworldly being. Yep. So whether that's a queen of the fairies or whether that's uh, some old, old Cthulhu-like elder god. Or, or straight up making a deal with the devil. Yeah, or making a deal with the devil. There's a lot of options, and, and those are your three, actually, divisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting because the warlock is the only one that requires you to pick your class division up front. So a uh, sorcerer does as well. Oh, that's right, that's right. Because you got to pick where your magic's coming from. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's a really interesting thing. The other thing that makes warlocks just a little different is they have what are called eldritch invocations, mm-hmm. which are essentially an additional spell. Is such a hard thing, but they're like additional abilities that you can select as you level up. Um, some of them alter spells that you already have. Some of them give you free spells. Uh, for example, Beast Speech lets you cast Speak with Animals at will without using a spell slot. So you can just always talk to animals, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're 
notably different, and that's important to realize. Right. Like Nathaniel said, there's inherent role-playing required here. Maybe not the best choice for a new player. Right. Unless you really want to draw him into a story. But the benefit to being a warlock is the spellcasting side of it is probably the easiest of the three arcane traditions. Yeah. Because the management on the spells, you get all your spell slots back after each short rest. Yes. Um, compared to a wizard who, you, if you take a short rest, you'll get like one or two back. Wait, is it really all of them after a short rest? I, I believe so. So, man, I've played this class. There is some cool stuff. There is some cool stuff with Warlock. Wait, yo. Oh, okay, one, one more thing we should cover. There is uh, a, an additional packed boon that you pick up at third level, which is another division. Yeah. Um, and so those are important to note as well. So there's actually two divisions in this yep. class. There are, there are two divisions, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, but... It's a, it's a good one, just maybe not for beginners. It's a, it's a higher tier class, kind of like Bard is. Right. Um, whereas Wizard and Sorcerer are both super accessible. Uh, let's move on to the other six. Now, uh, again, when I present this to people, this is what I call the non-magical, even though all of them technically have access to some amount of magic somewhere right. along the line. Um, so there is the what I call like the, the no-magic side of things, and there's, the, there's a little bit of magic basically inherent in this in this class. Right. Which one do you want to pursue first? No magic or a little bit? Let's go no magic. Okay. That's going to be barbarian, fighter, and rogue, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. So so let's start with the fighter, because I think it's easier to branch off to barbarian from there. And rogue, yeah. possibly. Uh, the fighter, this is super easy. If you just want your, uh, your, your just character who... You know the guy who, in the cartoon movies... Uh, they get to, like, you know, a sentry gate, and they're like, sorry, no weapons past this point. And the whole party goes in, and this guy just starts going, ah, and just starts unstrapping weapons, and then the gag is, when the party is ready to leave, he just finishes laying his last knife on the table, and they're like, okay, time to go. And he's like, oh, well, and he scoops up his massive pile of weaponry. Right. That's how I picture the fighter. Totally. Uh, and he knows how to use all of that better than anybody else. Yeah, they're incredibly well-rounded specialists. Uh, they're actually, from a design and play perspective, the easiest. Yeah. Um, they they start out strong, and they progress slow. Yep. Um, so it's usually only one thing to handle per level up, just a very, very slow. They get to pick a martial archetype, which is essentially the way that they fight later on. Yeah. Um, essentially what happened here is prior to 5th edition in the D&D Beyond testing phase, uh, Wizards of the Coast... Uh, acquired some player data on what the most common race class combination is and it is human fighter by a long shot yeah what was the statistic it was like 80 or 90 percent was that not that high but it was more than 50 it was more than 50 percent of all characters made through dnd beyond are human human fighters so uh, it's they designed it in fifth edition to work yeah easy smooth for everybody to play uh some of those uh, martial archetypes later on are a little more complicated, but by that point they have a little more experience with the game. Right. So this is if somebody doesn't want to deal with magic, um, because that can be complicated, and they think the idea of just being your fantasy hero that swings around a sword, maybe a magic sword, but definitely a sword, um, and like, okay, I'm going to go slay the dragon with nothing but my armor, my shield, and my sword. Uh, if that appeals to them, or if they seem intimidated by the rules, this is a fantastic class for that right. player. 
But what, Nathaniel, what if they want even fewer rules? <laughs> what if they want even fewer rules than I recommend the Barbarian? One of my three personal favorite classes to play. Uh, the Barbarian, basically get rid of all the specialized training a fighter has with weaponry and armor and whatnot, and uh, just give them the ability to turn into the Hulk every so often, and uh, just go to town, and there, there you go. There's the Barbarian. Like, I, I mean... It's really straightforward. Yeah. Give them an axe, give them no armor, let them go into a rage where they do more damage and attack, and uh, yep, that that's a barbarian. Yeah, a really important thing to note with the barbarian is uh, there is that berserker aspect. They also have the opportunity to go on the path of the totem warrior, mm -hmm. uh, which is more of a kind of a tribal warrior feel. Right. So if that's what they're feeling, uh, if your character says, hey, I want to be a tribal warrior... Don't try and spin the fighter class. Right. Do the Barbarian. Do the Barbarian. There, there's a negative connotation with Barbarian that probably shouldn't be there. I, I blame 3rd Edition. Yeah, 3rd Edition gave you all kinds of restrictions like you can't read. Yeah, like if you were Barbarian, you came with the automatic penalty of not being able to read. Yeah, it's kind of the last of the, and we talked about these last week, the Gary Gygax level restrictions. Uh, Barbarian held onto those longer than any other class. Yeah. Um, but now it's it's a fully fledged, um, totally acceptable tribal warrior path essentially. So you can either go full berserk or totems, and it's cool. Yep. Uh, Super. So the other one then is the rogue, and how I pitch the rogue to people is well, it's like the fighter, except for they sneak around and they pick locks and they steal things. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, their main feature is, of course, the sneak attack, which is, again, a super simple leveling feature. It's, hey, every other level, uh, your sneak attack damage uh, just goes up another d6. So first level, if you get the jump on somebody, you roll an extra d6 with your damage. 20th level, you're rolling an extra 10d6 with your damage. <laughs> Feels gratuitous, but it's cool. Yeah, right. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed right. to be super yeah, no, straightforward. No, no. It levels simple. So if you want somebody who, I mean, these two classes, fighter... Are these three, Fighter, Barbarian, and Rogue, are the easiest. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, if somebody is trying to picture what a Rogue looks like, uh, Legolas from Lord of the Rings actually fits what that kind of works like. Right. They're very graceful, they're very dexterous, and they can pull off a lot of stunts that are basically insta-kills that other people can't quite pull off. Right. It's also a good fit for anybody who you feel would be a chaotic member of the party, want to yep. steal things. But doesn't want to be a bard on the chaos right. spectrum. It's, it's hard to get mad at a rogue who's stealing things. Right. That's what they do. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, uh, that's, I mean, it's an incredibly simple streamlined class. You can become an assassin in that one, right? Yeah, so you can become an assassin. Uh, I think the other one is called Burglar, and then Arcane Trickster. It just gives you a tiny bit of magic. Nice. Um, if they decide they want that. Um, so that leaves the last three classes. Uh, these are the ones that I refer to as not having magic, even though they definitely have magic. Um, and they are the monk, the ranger, and the paladin. Awesome. So which one do you want to talk about first? Let's start with ranger. Um, okay. I feel like it pertains the most to what we've been hitting. Okay, what do you oh, mean by Also that? paladin, though. Yep. Okay, so a paladin is like a fighter and a cleric. And, yep, that that's it, actually. Yeah, you get healing magics and some... If some a fighter and a uh, cleric got together and they had a baby, it would be a paladin. And if a cleric and a cleric got together and had a baby, it would be a monk. <laughs> well, maybe not quite. True. Um, so, yeah, essentially... If a cleric and a cleric had a baby, it would be an atheist. Wait, no. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Atheism is the recessive trait. Um, so, yeah, it... Uh, but essentially, a paladin 
is the mixture of the fighter with some of that divine magic we talked about. Yep. I, there's no easier way to explain it. If they're looking for a fighter that can also heal, okay. go for it. This is the, of the three classes that I think of as having role-playing, being Bard, Warlock, and Paladin now, built into them inher- inherently. This is the one with the weakest amount of role-playing built in, sure. but its role-playing is, hey, you have a code of conduct that you have to pick at third level. Yeah, this is the thing that distinguishes the Paladin from the Cleric. Mm-hmm. And if you don't live up to that code of conduct, you can lose your power. Right. This is what I was saying earlier about clerics having a bad rep. Yeah. Because when people think of clerics, they're actually thinking of paladins. Right. Like, that staunch missionary type, like, will enforce and be really arrogant about his religion. That is the paladin. That's not the cleric. And if you have a player who's willing to do that without being overly frustrating to the members of the party, it can be so fun. Yeah. Um, but really not much else to say there. Um other than that, like we said, just the mixture between the two. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Ranger, and we'll finish off with Monk. Cool. So, so, Ranger, this is my wife's favorite class to play. Yes. So this is the class you want to go to straight up, first off, if you want an animal companion. Yep. A lot of people wonder that when they come up from 3rd edition, where there were actually a couple classes that you could get an animal mm-hmm. companion with. This is the class. Um, yep. There are Beastmaster abilities here, hunting abilities, um... Yeah, those are the two, actually. Yep. Hunter and Beastmaster. Which and are... only one gets the Animal Companion. Yeah, and that's Beastmaster. Which, this is totally my opinion. I think that an Animal Companion is a difficult and messy mechanic for most people to work with, because it's essentially running a totally second character. Totally. And I, 3rd edition had that problem a lot. With, with, the hunting, with the Hunter archetype, you get the ability to become specialized in taking out different types of foes. Which is really cool. So you can either take out, like... A, a horde of monsters like goblins, or you could focus on like giant killing. Um, so anything that's larger, bigger, I think is what it is. You get special advantages on. Um, oh man, there are a lot of cool like this one has a lot of uh, okay, pick one of these three options throughout the hunter section. Yeah, this has like one of the most overpowered things I've ever seen. Oh, what is it? Oh man. Colossus Slayer. Have mm-hmm. you seen this? Uh, yeah, I have because the amount of times I've leveled up a ranger with my wife. Sure. She never picked this, though. This is so good. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, if it's below its hit point maximum, it will take an extra 1d8. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty overpowered, and you can do it once per turn. It says only once per turn. Yeah. So, like, anyway, so well, because you can get multiple attacks as a ranger. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the Aragorn in yeah. a lot of ways, uh, minus the Beast Mastery. Um, Archetype. It really feels less like your typical, what what we would now consider the druid, which right. is like the foresty type guy. This is much more like Aragorn, mm-hmm. a staunch swordsman and a talented fighter, with just a little bit of nature. Yep. Um, really fun class if you like uh, ranged weaponry. Yeah. That's the thing that gets thought of a lot. And there is some inherent magic with this class that, you know, is that mixture of healing and uh, weaponry. Yeah. This is like a fighter and a druid mixed. Yep. In a lot of ways. So that All brings right. us to number 12. There is nothing like the monk. There is nothing like the handbook. monk. Uh, the monk is uh, is weird. Um, I, I, when I pitch it to people, I say it's like a fighter with totally different rules and think Jackie Chan. Yeah. The mm, Man. Oh. The difficulty that you're going to have here with the monk 
is that because it diverges so far from the other character classes, it's inherently going to be hard to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, frankly, if you have a bunch of new players, I wouldn't pitch this unless you yourself are familiar with the rules. Yeah. Because otherwise this is going to be a thorn in your side through your whole campaign. Yep. Um, but if they're interested in the martial arts, I mean, everything from not wearing any armor to having additional damage from physical attacks. Like hand-to-hand, yeah. just your fist combat, uh, to getting the weird re- weaponry, like darts and shurikens are like kind of just a yeah, thing. Yeah, and, and sci- scythes and, and comma and, and yeah. so on. Um, along with things like increases in movement speed and just other fun and weird stuff with that. Yeah, if I were going to compare this to any character class, it is most like a rogue. Interesting. Um, in the sense that it has movement and disengage benefits yep. and dexterity benefits that help it, but so to a degree so much further than the rogue. Like I said, there's a whole unarmored defense here that they're exploiting, Yep, which is insane. Uh, they're really cool. Word of caution, this is a high level. Yep. This is your bard or your... Uh, warlock. Or your warlock class. So just just be kind of aware of that. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily a wrong choice for a new player. Just you should know the rules, though. If you're you definitely it. should. Just like bard or warlock, because the the fear is that a good player with any of those characters in their quiver will accidentally over or intentionally worse overpower your ability and override what you're doing as a dungeon master, and that is not what you want. Exactly. Uh, but there you go. There's your twelve classes. Uh, I think they're pretty straightforward. Uh, with that said, anything else you want to talk about with the classes? Yeah, actually, there is one thing I want to talk about with these 12. Um, no, I already said it. Shoot. I Just a reminder, with each individual class specialization, don't read these with the player. Unless you have a player who's particularly studious and is willing to read them all on their own, walking through each step-by-step is going to be a little tedious. Ask them what sounds coolest and let them run it. I said that, but I wanted—I guess I really wanted to drive it home in my subconscious because <laughs> uh, this is important. But with that said, let's link on over to the beggar's corner. surprises and in this one boy oh boy do we got something big but we'll, we'll get to we'll that we'll get to bit. that uh so first off uh wanna thank all of you for getting this far in the podcast listening to us and let you know that as always you're welcome to contact us at initiative role r-o-l-e at gmail.com that's another one of those things that's a song to me now <laughs> initiative role gotta lift the pitch r-o-l-e at gmail.com lift the pitch Thank you for choosing Initiative Roll. How can I help you with your Dungeons & Dragons related needs? See, oh man, it would be cool if we had a call-in. I'd be there for it. <laughs> All right, let's go to the live call-in uh, for this recording that I'm going to, you know, uh, post in three days. <laughs> All right, and here we go. Live caller now. Uh, yes, see, I, uh, I've been a long-time player of D&D, and uh, I, uh, well, uh, I, I don't think you guys know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. 
That's that's actually a really good point. We're gonna put you on a quick hold, and we got another call on oh, the line. Uh, yeah, funny, his call just dropped. Oh, hmm. Okay, yeah. Well, let's let's take this other one. Uh, hi, a longtime listener, first time caller. Okay, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> I can't. Okay, sorry. We love you, listeners. Goodbye. Yeah, email us. That's the best way to get in touch with us. It is initiative role r o l e at gmail.com. We also do have a uh, Twitter and a Instagram page. Um, both of which I believe are initiative underscore role. Yeah, at initiative underscore role on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you need an at on, on Instagram. Instagram. I don't believe you do. Um, we pick. We post a lot of our pictures there for things that we've mentioned on the Instagram page, and then the Twitter. We uh, we accept com- comments and uh, contact there as well. Yeah, those of you who want to reach out can use the hashtag initiative role, um, which we'll be monitoring yep. to. To start a conversation about this show. Again, um, R-O-L-E. Yes. Uh, Twitter is in its infancy for us. Yes. Uh, so that'll grow with time. And, and Have we even said anything on Twitter? Look, don't get mad, all right? No, I'm not that's, mad. Yeah, I... that's what I was getting at. There's nothing on the Twitter yet with time. We're, we're still unborn even though our account exists. Our parents have named us, but we are not yet um, we're fully emerged from the womb. Nobody has seen us yet. <laughs> True. Um, we also have our blog, as always, which we do post all of our content there, uh, and that's initiativeroll.blogspot.com. I'm not even going to make a joke about uh, how I Hold always on, get it the wrong. the planet... Okay, first of all, you just did. Second of all, the planet's just a lie. I, I bumped I that for like... you. I made the bump. You did, not, you did not set it into play or spike it, and I am disappointed. Well, you see, what, what you did is I said it. It was just a bad set, because what happened is you said... I'm not even going to make a joke about this. And then I said, uh, you just did, which is a setup for you to spike and then say something like your mom. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, we got to bring out the juvenile comedy sometimes. That's, I just did a poll and modernist listeners are super into that. Oh, so, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Is our market, that's, that's, that's is our market middle schoolers? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. 100%. I probably would have listened to something like this in middle school, you, so. You sure. totally would have. Nerd. No. I am a nerd. <laughs> Man. Yeah, no, I, I, I run a D and D podcast. Of course, I'm a nerd. Yeah, facts. Once you got that blog right for the first time, all of the planets aligned. It was like freaking Hades could have released the Titans at that moment, oh. and we could have done nothing about it. Well, shoot. Yeah. Hmm. Glad that didn't happen. Um, glad there was no Hades unleashing Titans. Uh, something that we're gonna laughs does not reply. <laughs> <laughs> something we're gonna post uh, from this episode. I'm gonna make up a little chart of how I do ask players uh, who are new to the game what class they want to play. Oh, like a flow chart? Yeah. Okay, cool. Make sure you send that to me, otherwise it will not get listed. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll make sure to do that, and then uh, it'll probably also make it up onto our Instagram page. Cool. Um, but uh, I think all we've got left is to finally reveal the surprise. We teased this last week, right? We did. Oh, and the dedication. We've got that, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we got a surprise cooking up. Oh, man. Okay, so this is a... Uh, it's a departure from what we've typically done. But not too much of a departure. <laughs> I mean, that is literally not in that song, but <laughs> shout out to our boys, John Roderick and the Long Winters. You won't hear the previous shout out that we did to them tonight, because that shout out is actually in some bonus content we're going to be releasing as a result of this announcement. So yeah. we're gonna should I should I make this this announcement or should you? Oh, okay. Uh, it sounds like you want to. Well, I, I don't know. Like, no, what, what do you think? Rock it. paper scissors in studio to see who uh, right. does it. Two out of three, or All just right. one. Uh, just one. And okay. Dang it! 
That was a tie. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> okay, so it looks like I'm making this announcement. Um, we are going to be trying our hand at live play. Wow, man, that rock, paper, scissors game is going to make for some good podcasting audio. I hope so. Um, especially since we didn't announce anything until <laughs> you just said, dang it. Um, but we're going to be trying our hands at live play and not live rock, paper, scissors play, but live Dungeons and Dragons play. You want to give them a little bit more of that pitch, Nathaniel? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm actually incredibly excited for this. It's something that we had this brainchild uh, right before, or I had this brainchild, I should say, right before we had our guests of Quinn and Clay. And I got thinking about it, and I thought it would be really fun to have everyone we've had guests star on the show, so Quinn and Clay and Greg, uh, get back together for a special release episode that is just us playing a one-shot adventure um, that I am in the process of writing. It is almost done. Uh, and just uh, see how it goes. Uh, it will be heavily edited, though, because I don't think anyone wants to sit around listening to three or four hours of D&D. We're going to try and trim it down to an hour, so it's around standard episode time. Uh, but let's tell you about what the adventure itself will will consist of. Um, we are playing in the Eberron campaign setting, which we've talked about a couple of times on the show. Uh, and with the Eberron campaign setting, uh, we are doing a murder mystery. And... Uh, the bonus content we've been making, we've been having each person one-on-one uh, -on -one with me create their characters for the for the show. Guys, I'm really excited about mine. Yeah, but don't say who it is yet. That's a bonus content material. Guys, I, ooh, man, I'm so excited for this one. Um, each of the bonus content episodes... Whoa. Oh, man, I forgot my character was... Okay, here's, here's a spoiler drop. I forgot my character was Lawful Evil. That's gonna make this. No, you can't so say that because we have the people who are playing listening to the show. Right, but they're gonna know. They're gonna know when we do the live record. I feel like you're mad. I'm. I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. So here's the thing. Oh come on now! Everyone knows that's worse. <laughs> Alignment is is not that big of a deal. I just remembered. I, it just makes my character so much more interesting. Yeah. No more spoilers about your character. Uh, uh, about who? Sorry. My character. No, 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 no. Nothing else not there. Not a name. My character has a proficiency bonus of plus three. Yeah. We are starting at level five. I, yeah, that's true. I'm playing. I'm feeling a little juvenile. <laughs> Spoil. Armor class 14. <laughs> so. No, but uh, I think it's going to be really fun. Um. Now, with writing this, I picked a murder mystery because I thought it would work for a good one-shot, but I was uh, rather uncomfortable as I started writing it trying to get the murder mystery to work together. I had a lot of questions of, well, I know, I know who the murderer is. I know a lot of the clues that would point to the murderer. I know a lot of this and I know a lot of that, but I'm not exactly sure how to get from point A of dead body to point Z of... I Facing the murder. I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids and your dumb dog. Well, of course, that, that's, that's going to come at the end, that obviously. That is the final point. <laughs> obviously. But point Y, of course, being, it was the school teacher all along. Mr. Jenkins! Um, Whoa. That is exactly the name I thought of. That's because they used it in a number of Scooby-Doo episodes. I just assumed it was because I was thinking of Jinkies. No, no. Which is also close. Like, zoink, Scoob! <laughs> That one, I'm not good at my shaggy. Have you seen the shaggy meme? 
Oh, yes. This is I... a great piece of internet culture. I'm just going to tell you my favorite caption of this, <laughs> the Shaggy meme, which is, between takes, Shaggy would sometimes take a couple minutes to commune with the gods, and sometimes with things older than gods. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, go look up the Shaggy meme. There was an old live-action Scooby-Doo movie <laughs> that somebody's just taken bits of uh, the documentary footage uh, where they were interviewing the, uh, the, cast. the main cast, and they just... They've, they've gone through and they've subtitled it as if the spirit of Shaggy possessed the guy who played Shaggy on set and he has no memory of playing Shaggy. <laughs> and it was actually Shaggy playing him. And it, it's weird. It's a trip. And it's really funny <laughs> if you're into that a, a weird deep humor. cosmic horror side to it. Yeah. That is very good. Uh, yeah. If you're, if you're a little bit into Lovecraft and a little bit into Scooby-Doo, who, by the way, canonically is descended from Cthulhu, which is why he can kind of speak English. Like no joke, that's that's the that's the Hanna Barbera Warner Brothers. That's canon. canon. Yeah. What? <laughs> Scooby Doo is descended from Cthulhu. <laughs> we can just leave Scooby that. Scooby Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Scooby through. Where are you? <laughs> well, that's an easy answer. He sleeps in the city of Rulia, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't tell if you're pulling my leg about this Cthulhu bit. I don't, I'm no, not. Don't tell me, don't tell me, I don't want to know, because it's too good. <laughs> oh man. Um, no, but anyway, I was uh, struggling writing this murder mystery story, and so I confront, uh, confronted, I contacted uh, some... <laughs> Dedicated to our mother, uh, who helped you design the episode or the adventure, right? Right, and so I confronted my mother. <laughs> oh, no, uh, this episode is dedicated to our mother, who helped me uh, co-write this episode. Um, my mom, uh, when she's doing uh, cleaning and other projects around the house, she'll throw on some sort of crime drama, and she won't really watch it, but it'll be background noise because. Once you've seen enough crime dramas, you don't actually need to watch them to know what's going totally. on. Totally. And she's probably listened to hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of crime dramas just while doing other things around the house. And so she knows more about murder mystery stories than anybody I personally know. And so I contacted her and I was like, hey, mom, I know that Dungeons and Dragons isn't your favorite thing. This is, you haven't done it since we were kids. Uh, but I need help writing this adventure. I need help writing this murder mystery. And for maybe the next 20 or 30 minutes, uh, we basically just had a Q&A session where I asked her all sorts of questions and brought her my difficulties I was having with the plot. And uh, she helped me work through all of those, even though mine is in a fantasy setting and hers is generally set in the realish world. You sure. know, as part of the real world being where you get DNA fingerprints and you have the results within two hours instead of, you know... <laughs> weeks right although uh, magic's not that different frankly no um and she was able to help me figure out a lot of the problems i was having with the plot yeah this was really cool for me um because obviously uh would not have expected this to no. happen um so really cool really 
really glad that this is how I'm super interested to see how this plot turns out. Yeah, so this episode is dedicated to our mom, who, even though she doesn't always want to be involved in what we're doing, is always very supportive. And raised us pretty all right, I'd say. I, I hope like, so. I think we turned out pretty good. I hope but, so. But hey, I'd like to think we make five-star podcasts. But judge for yourselves, I, right? I'm just happy with a four-star. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot for the stars and you'll land among the moon, I think. Right? No. Uh, maybe. I, I, th- I, I think I'd be... I, I, what was it? Uh, if you can fly... Uh, Don't stop at the sky because there are footprints on the moon. Yep. It's my boy Adam Young. Yeah, so uh, this episode is dedicated to our mom uh, for helping us write the surprise episode of the podcast, The Live Play, that's coming up. about this new new campaign we're kicking up uh pretty excited about it so hoping that it all it all goes well and even if it doesn't that you'll stick with us anyway yeah we have brand loyalty right that's a thing we've acquired i mean billions and billions served at this point right we have over we have 60 instagram followers now hey that's a brand is it too late to rename the show (laughs) the brand behind the sabrina screen oh okay Uh, yes it is too late um so we got to play today uh, in Greg's campaign. Um, it was uh, very fun, I thought. Uh, all of our characters have taken a week off. By the way, we're in the uh, bard corner now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love this idea of, like, I can't even think of a world that does this. Like, when you're on a tour and you look down on your phone, like you're at the museum, at the Smithsonian or whatever, and you look down at your phone and you're like, Oh, shoot, we're, like, in the prehistoric exhibit now. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't gather that with the uh, Cro-Magnum man uh, hunting the woolly mammoth. Like, well, one second you're in dinosaurs, and then you, like, look down at your phone, but keep following people, and you look up, and now you're in the Ice Age. That's what just happened to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. That is what just happened to us. Uh, but we're in the bard corner. Surprise! <laughs> Woo-hoo! Uh, yeah, we got to play, though, today, and... Uh, we uh, All of our characters had a week to work on stuff, which basically meant they leveled up to third level. Uh, though, apparently, one of the players was off doing stuff at the Coliseum, and so uh, while the rest of us got, you know, like a good 600 experience out of this adventure, he had gained enough uh, to level up to level four when the rest of us barely leveled up to level three. Yeah, so he's ahead of the rest of us. Which I think is fine. Considerably, yeah. I, he's the fighter, so he should be fine. I, like I said, they level slow. Yeah. So... Uh, but we did have a, a pretty much one combat scenario. Yeah. So this episode started off with a police... No, it started off with a new player. Oh, that's right. That's right. I do not want to forget him. Man, so we had Nolan, uh, which is... Oh, man. This family tree web is getting complex. So, All right. So you guys know how Game of Thrones family tree web is complicated? This is not nearly that complicated. Good, because... There's no way that sentence could have ended well if it was. <laughs> okay, so here's here's our, our cast right now for our, our current campaign. We got Nathaniel. We'll put you at the center. Okay, the I think that works. Way. I am your brother. And then there's also my brother and me. True. I am your brother. 
Okay. Uh-huh. Then we have your wife. Right. Then we have your wife's twin sister. Right. Then we have her husband. Right. Greg, who's the other DM. Then we have his brother. Right. Then we have their cousin. Right. And then we have your wife and her twin sister's brother, Nolan, who just joined the campaign. Right. And he is playing the wackiest character of the group, possibly. Yeah, so he's a gnome. He's a gnome, which already makes him a wacky character. Yeah, it's a recipe for wacky. For those of you who have played uh, World of Warcraft and seen those gnomes, Dungeons & Dragons doesn't stray too far from that. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Or perhaps World of Warcraft doesn't stray too far from Dungeons & Dragons. That might be more accurate. Um, But as a result, we have a kind of a new goofy uh, cog to add to the wheel. His character's name is off the off the books wild. I, it, it is... I think there are more characters in it than years I've been alive. Yeah. Um, and there's four different and that's individual his first name? names. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I think his first name is Nestor. Something like or that. Or Neslin or something. We just call him Ness. We call him PK Ness. Fire! <laughs> PK Cross! I've been playing a lot of Smash Brothers recently. But not Earthbound. Ah. Uh. Man, 90% of Earthbound fans are so excited to play it <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> That's a fun statistic for you there. Myself in that camp. <laughs> Did you just make that statistic up or is of that like course, real? Oh, I was hoping it was real. Most people who like Earthbound from Smash Brothers have not played it. Uh, apparently very good JRPG, side note. Cool. Uh, yeah, so he plays a gnome rogue though. Say it. Okay, this is not that cast, but Nintendo announced yesterday that they have several unannounced IPs that will be released in 2019. Pikmin Ooh. 4 is most likely among them. I just thought, what if we get an Earthbound game? Or a Star Fox. I didn't think about that. Look, don't get judgy on Star Fox. No, I could do with a good Star Fox game. I could do with That's a good all. Star Fox game. I love Star Fox 64 I could quite go a bit. with a good Star Fox game. This is not that cast. Uh... Good start. I know. Hey, you listening out there, Reggie? You listening? Take notes. <laughs> a good Star Fox game. Uh, yeah, we'd, we'd uh, like to say that to Reggie, a long-time listener. You know what I do like? The Wii U StarCraft actually was named after its aggregate review score. It's called StarCraft Zero. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> do you mean I... Star Fox, not StarCraft? Yes. Starcraft is a different thing and much more refined. <laughs> um, anyway, so he plays a gnome rogue, and for those of you who remember, we bought a house. Um, yeah, and uh, we uh, we get to the we're in the house. Well, some of us are in the house. I was at the library. Um, I call you a crook. More on that later. But uh, we get to the house, and uh, there's a concern because some characters hear a noise upstairs. And my wife's character rushes up, and her room is a disaster. Things have been thrown out. And there's this gnome rogue who's in there trying to find all of her left shoes to steal. Yeah, it's an odd quirk. Love it. I totally love it. Um, turns out uh, she and uh, Menyon, so Laura Dove and Menyon, had gone and they'd uh, contacted the Blackbird. And uh, he said he'd be sending some help their way, and this is the help that he... Uh, yeah, now didn't we mention the Blackbird is the chief of the underground, essentially. Right. The leader of the underground thieving ring in this increasingly large city I love that it. we keep making bigger every time we play. I love it. I love it so much. Um, we now can confirm that there is a fairly extensive library 
a fairly extensive sewer system, a coliseum, a brothel. <laughs> oh, man. Do you want to talk about the brothel or no, do you want to keep that, that, that Well, okay, now go ahead and put me on blast. It's, it's going to sound super weird. Uh, <laughs> it is super weird, but not in the way that anybody's thinking. Yeah, there will be more on the brothel later. It is unusual, not like, oh, do I want my kids to be hearing this? Yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff with, with one of the characters in the campaign. Yep. And, and a brothel. But not what, not what automatically not comes what to mind you with think. that. This is not Amsterdam's red light district. Right. Uh, no, but uh, with that said, uh, so that was how we introduced Nolan's character. I thought that was really fun. And then uh, when we were all at home, there was a, there was a knock at the door with a policeman. Uh, so his name was Jacob. Was... <laughs> But the way Greg said it, he was eating a chip, and I swear on my life he said Jacob. <laughs> so he came looking for Donnie Hardwick, PhD. Donnie Hardwick. Donnie Hardwick, PhD, head of cryptozoologist at Capital State University. Now, if I've seen it once, I've seen it a thousand times. We've got a classic case of the subterranean slobber stalker on our hands. Oh, right, because it changed because we realized it was werewolves. Right, so now they're subterranean slobber stalkers. Again, I can't remember discussing this on this cast. Um, I definitely have not done the Donnie Hardwick voice on this cast, but he's an alias of my character who is, uh, has garnered no small acclaim amongst the police department as being one responsible for monster hunting and cryptozoology in the community at large. So Jinka (laughs) came, oh man, this is a tragedy in four acts. This only gets worse. (laughs) I forgot. Um, so Jinka comes to fetch Donnie Hardwick and we go to the police, Pete, the lips, the, Peter Piper, the, teeth, pick a pick a the tip pippers. of the tongue. <laughs> we go to the police chief who commissions us to find and hunt the werewolves, or as, as they've been rebranded, the subterranean slobber stalkers. So that we could keep the acronym of SSS. Using my academic intellect, I have been able to preserve, I say preserve. He's a Southern Baptist a little bit. I love it. <laughs> like a stereotypical like 1800s Methodist. I, I also like this. Oh, people of London, we got trouble. Oh, we got trouble, right? Right here in London City. <laughs> right here in London City. Man, we got trouble with a capital S that rhymes with S, and that stands for subterranean slobber soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, so we pretty quickly, I don't want to get too bogged in the minutiae, we end up going into the sewers uh, as a party to fight, or waiting by the sewers to mm-hmm. fight six werewolves that emerge. Uh, but unlike previous campaigns, we actually did this without a board. Yeah, this is the first time I've really done combat theater of the mind. So we went ahead and we... It was interesting because we kind of threw initiative to the wind as well. We did. And sort <laughs> It may not have been detectable to the mic, but there was just wounded pride in his voice. I got a 23. <laughs> Definitely the highest in the group, and I just consistently Three was not going to... got for... 21s. Right. So it wasn't, like, a huge... So we went thing, as one but... lump group, essentially, and then went clockwise around the way we were sitting, uh, which worked well. Um, it did. It made the combat, I think, go a lot faster than it otherwise would have. Yeah. And essentially, it was almost implied that everybody was in range of something at some time with very little difficulty, mm-hmm. and that worked out really well. Um, we were able to cast some spells, 
There ended up being a great sequence near the end where one tried to escape in the sewers. Oh, I think we can talk about that in its... In, at length. Yeah, so I, I want to say this was this was our first foray out as level threes, though, and I think we all had a great time kind of testing our new abilities and our new strengths. Correct. Um, I did, acquired a new spell called Flaming Sphere, um, which just lets me kind of cast a fireball in the middle of places and move it around and chase people for like a solid minute, but I can still cast other spells on the minute that it lasts, uh, which makes me feel like uh, I'm not worthless with my like 18 health compared to some people's like 30. Right. So everybody was kind of testing their, the waters a little bit. We had some animal companion attacks and, and so on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that end encounter because I think this is a great example looking at it from a more critical aspect. I know, it's been a while since I've critically analyzed an adventure recap in the Bard's Corner. Yep. <laughs> Which we renamed. Yep. Um, rebranded. Rebranded, correct. Looking at it critically, this is a great example of a dungeon master allowing everybody to do what they want to do as this monster tried to escape. Yeah. And the way he did it was to have us all act at once. With one major exception, and that was me. Oh, yes. Pardon me, Your Highness. No, no, because I think it's actually important that my actions happened first because yeah. they were not necessarily positive. Or orthodox. So or orthodox. Let's, let's talk about what happened. So he jumps into the sewers, about a 10-foot drop, uh, and chases after this beast to catch, cast burning hands on it. Now, at this point, Greg makes a roll and determines that there are flammable gases in the sewers. Yeah. So, and I just cast Burning Hands, which the physical description of that, for those of you wondering, I shoot strips of fire out of my hand. Right. So okay. that means if gas lights on fire, it's coming right back to the point of origin. Yeah. So, As compared to a flaming sphere that I could set off right. in the distance. The way that we uh, imagine this is he lights... The spark, and we just hear from the sewer, boom. <laughs> and it's just like a, a rush of gas is forced out um, by a big fire. In and just like this little bright light from the uh, from the manhole. So from a narrative perspective, this is when Greg let everybody else act. So five of us? Something like that. Stumble into this hole pretty much simultaneously. And as we fall, we do different things. So I cast a psychic insult attack on the wolf. Which I think your standard insult is, your mom! <laughs> no, that's for vicious mockery. Oh. I've used the words your mom as a killing blow too many times. Um, but we drop in, we fall, I cast this insult spell. Um, at the same time, our fighter... No, 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 he was last. Mm -hmm. So our ranger fires off a shot. Well, our rogue throws a bunch of... Uh... Cow ball bearings. Ball bearings to, to slip up the wolf. Yep. Um, Both of our rangers uh, try to take shots at this thing. Right. Our monk throws a dart. I okay. guess it was six right. people who six fell. Six people falling through this manhole. Uh, our monk throws a dart all from midair, and then we all kind of collapse in this heap. Our fighter lands on top, essentially flourishes and does a front flip off, and smacks this thing on the head to kill it. With a natural 20. Yeah, nat 20. Um so it looked very good, and I think it was a great example of a dungeon master being able to adapt. Because yep. in reality, around us six seconds. So yeah. all of those things happen at once. But sometimes I think we get so caught up in the turn by turn that we forget that. Yeah. And we do things like, oh, he threw ball bearings, they're going to slip this up. 
that really shouldn't affect the next fighter. It could. Right. But in a, in a theoretical realm, there are times when you might want to run everything at once, right? Right. And obviously you have to say, okay, player one, what do you want to do in player two? But then just have it all happen at once. And I think it worked really well, particularly given that we have seven players now. Yeah. Which I don't think we could have another player and still run the game effectively. I mean, not, not in that apartment. Not in that apartment. Nope. So... Uh, but yeah, ultimately, a really good example of how to, to tweak the rules of the game, both with um, initiative in general, which I know you weren't fond of, but it made for a smoother gameplay experience, as well as how to make everybody act at once in a mm-hmm. reasonable and orderly manner. Really cool. Yeah. Really cool thing. And on the subject of initiative, uh, one of the players said something that I think is a really great uh, idea for future games with our group. It's just at the beginning of the day, right as we're going to play, everyone rolls initiative, and we just sit around the table in a clockwise fashion uh, with whoever has the highest initiative score for the day to the lowest. That would be awesome in all atmospheres except for high school. Because you're like, oh man, I hope I roll like close number to my crush or my best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a fun adventure though. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, now do you see that? Off in the distance. I can see the gleam on its face from this far. And if I've seen it once, I've seen it a thousand times, brothers and sisters. <laughs> I cannot say brothers and sisters like some 1800s Methodist. I can't. If I've seen it once, I've seen it a thousand times in all the textbooks in the library at Capital State University and only once in the field. I'd recognize those bestial eyes anywhere, that growl, that breath. It's the subterranean slime stalker, and you realize it's It's time time to to roll roll initiative. initiative. Thanks so much for sticking with us during that. Oh, kick the table. Can we do this one again? Yeah. Can we start over?